Today, as we continue the series closer, uh, more on that in just a moment. But first, I want to welcome all the guests that are hanging out with us today online. Um, whether you're on Facebook or online platform, take a moment and fill that online connection card out for us. Let us know you're here. Um, and our prayer is that your first time won't be your last time. We'd love to send you a gift, love to connect with you. And again, thanks for being a part of our church service today. And, and church family, I, I wanna let you know that we're just a few weeks away from the, the start of our groups. Trinity groups are back after the summer, after taking kind of like a break from it. And I know some groups have continued to meet all summer long, but our new semester officially begins the first week of September, right after Labor Day. And maybe you're brand new checking us out and you're like, man, I think I'd like to be a part um, go right here to trinitymesa.church slash groups. Um, and group leaders, we need you to register your group, get that ready to go. And then our directory is there and you'll find all kinds of groups. We're gonna have groups that are gonna meet online through the fall. Uh, some homes will be open, uh, but we have a group for you. And so uh, one of our foundational um, you know, core things here at this church is Sundays are great. Um, being in rows are fine. Watching the service is, is a good thing, um, but we want you to take the next step and to get into a group. And I'm asking all of our groups for the month of September, when we begin a brand new series called You Ask For It, where I'm going to answer your questions of, are we living in the last days? How do I handle anxiety? How do I handle depression? The election season is going nuts. Like, what are we to do as followers of Jesus? Yeah, we're gonna answer those questions and in your groups for the month of September, um, we're gonna discuss that in a biblical way. And so I want all of us, if you call Trinity Church home, maybe if you're loosely affiliated, maybe you live far away, you can find an online group and we're believing this is gonna be the best semester, the best semester ever. So go right now, online, register, for your, register your group or register to find a group and we will make the connection for you. And I also wanna remind you, if you have not yet downloaded the new church app, please do it. Um, in fact, you can even find groups <laughs> through the app um, and download those sermon notes as we continue the series closer. And this is such a strategic series for us. Um, after summer, we're kind of going back to a more normal schedule. I mean, nothing's really normal, but at least with school starting and kind of finding our place again after a long and busy summer, I just think one of the things that we'd often do is we kind of push God and even church to the side. And our goal for the month of August is to say, no, 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 we're going to draw near to God. And as we learned last week, uh, he will draw near to us. And this is a series all about Worship, And I started last week with this statement, and I just want to remind you that we all worship something. Even if you're not a Christian, we worship something because we were created to worship. And this is how we defined worship. Worship is our response to the things that we value the most. So whatever you set your affection, your devotion, your time, your money, like whatever consumes you, that's what you worship. It could be a sports team. It could be your job. It could be your career, your house, your car. It could even be you. Like you worship you. Whatever it is, um, anytime we place that above God, like we're misaligned. And God doesn't mind that we love and we value other things. He doesn't mind that at all. But what he cares about is if he's not number one, if he's not the first place on 
our list. And if you missed last week, I would encourage you, go back, watch it. I think it'll be helpful for you. And today as we continue, we're going to answer this question. And I just want to start our conversation off with this today. Is who was the first worshiper? Who was the first worshiper? And you're saying, why is that important? Like, who really cares? Well, I was taught in seminary that if you want the purest teaching on an issue or a topic, go back to where it was first mentioned. It's called the law of first mention. And in the Bible, there are three archangels that are, that are named. Uh, the, the first one is this. The, the first blank archangel is Michael. And anytime Michael is mentioned, it has to do with prayer. The Bible tells us that when we pray, that angels are released in the heavenlies fighting on our behalf. In fact, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he's praying and Michael comes and there's a supernatural war going on and Michael's there. And just so you know, just a side note, that when we pray, we are at war. There's a supernatural war going on and that may freak you out. I think it's pretty cool. The second archangel that we're going to that is mentioned in the Bible is Gabriel. And you may have heard that name if you've studied the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, hey, listen, you're gonna have a baby, even though you've never been with a man. You're gonna have a baby, his name's Jesus. He's gonna save their people from their sins. When Gabriel shows up, he's bringing a message and he's bringing a word from the heavenly father. And the third archangel that we read in scriptures is Lucifer. And whenever Lucifer is mentioned, this idea of, of worship, and that's what we're going to study today. On a side note, these things are so important. I just believe every church service needs to have these three elements, prayer, time in the word, and, and worship. And maybe you've recently given your life to Jesus, and you're new on the journey, and you're wondering, where do I begin even in like my personal devotion time? 15 minutes? Spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the word, and five minutes in worship. And I'm telling you, it's one dynamic time. Side note, not where we're going today, just a really cool thought. We're going to study Lucifer and, and worship. And we, we get the, the theology, if you will, the understanding of who Lucifer was, an archangel created to lead worship in heaven, we find that in two spots in our Bible, Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. And we're first going to go to Isaiah 14 to begin to understand some of the mishaps of this archangel. And when you open your Bible to Isaiah 14, it says to the king of Babylon, but it's really talking about Lucifer. And this isn't uncommon in your Bible. In fact, oftentimes it's addressed to a person, but it's really dealing with the spirit behind it. An example in your Gospels is Jesus is talking to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Well, Jesus wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was addressing the spirit behind Peter's actions. That's what's happening here in Isaiah 14. So follow along as we begin in verse 12. The text says, how you have fallen from heaven. Well, well, there you go. We know right now we're talking about Satan, Lucifer. How you've fallen from heaven, morning star, Son of the dawn, you have been cast down, you've been expelled to the earth, out of heaven, you're done. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. Well, well why was he cast from heaven? Why was he expelled? The, the story continues. You said in your heart, so here's why you were expelled from heaven, 
I will ascend. Now, I highlighted every word in, in this text that wants to put Lucifer above God. So he, he says in his heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. That's what he calls them. He doesn't call him the heavenly father, he calls him the most high because he resented the fact that all the praise and all the glory was going to God. And Lucifer's main goal was to take away the worship and the glory that's due to God and to take it for, for himself. And I would just say this, that, that Satan's goal on the earth right now isn't even for us to worship him, but it's to distract us, to make us worship other things, to take away the worship that the Most High deserves. And I'm just gonna tell you, at any time we place something above God the Father, you know what begins to happen? We actually help Satan achieve his agenda on this earth. Just something we need to be careful of, mindful of, that we never place something over, over our God. And back in verse 11, we, hear, we read this about, about Lucifer, just talking about him. Your pomp is brought down to Sheol and the sound of your stringed instruments. So he's cast down. People say, so Satan, Lucifer, he has this, this harp. No, 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 most scholars believe that Lucifer was created, this archangel was created, and part of his being was this stringed instrument, whatever that would be, wherever that, get the idea, there was this being, this angel, this cherub, part of him was a stringed instrument. Now we're gonna go to, a, just file that away, it's, we're gonna come back to it. Now we're gonna go to Ezekiel 28 to understand just a little bit more of who Lucifer is you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, so you were there, right? You, the, the serpent with Adam and Eve in the Garden of God. And check this out every precious stone adorned you. So there's this being, he has this like, stringed instrument, and not only that, he's covered in these jewels, adorned in these precious stones. And then he just lists them, carnelian, crystallite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis, lazuli, turquoise, and beryl, whatever that is. Your settings and your mountings were made of gold. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. Well, what does settings and mountings mean? Ezekiel 28 in the New King James gives us a little better clue. It says, the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes. So it's percussion and you have like some instruments, some wind instruments on you. So there's a being. He has stringed instruments covered in these jewels and also he is made, this being has cymbals and pipes. Just really important for you to know. Now I, I, I'm not a, a music person, never claimed to be. I love, I love music. Um, but lucky for me, I married um, a classic pianist. I mean, she has her master's degree in music education and, and, and piano and, and, and curriculum development. I mean, she understands this. So I had to ask her this week, like, what I'm saying is, 
or what I'm reading, is this true? And for the most part, all musical instruments fall into three categories. Ready for this? The number one is stringed instruments. Those are the things you pluck. Um, your violin, your cello, your stand-up bass, even your piano would be considered a stringed instrument. It has a harp on the inside or something like it. It's also not piano, not just a stringed instrument, but it's also considered a percussion instrument because you're, you're playing on it, right? And also like the mallets are hitting the harp on the inside. So you have stringed instruments and you also have percussion instruments. And this is anything that you have to hit to make noise. Cymbals, drums, I mean, get the idea. Stringed instruments, percussion instruments, and then you have wind instruments. And this is where you blow into these instruments to create sound. It could be brass, it could be woodwind, you get the idea. And you just need to know that Lucifer, the archangel, the worship leader of heaven, in his being was all of these things. Stringed instruments, percussion instruments, and wind instruments. We're coming back to it, I'm going somewhere. Hang with me, I promise. Text continues, you were anointed, meaning your music just didn't sound pretty, but when you would play it, like things would happen. Like people were moved by what you were doing with the music. And just so you know, I believe this today that, that Satan is still anointed in the area of music because music's powerful, music moves people. One of the ways that Satan accomplishes his agenda on this earth is through music. I, I'm, not, I'm not your Holy Spirit, but I'm just telling you, this is why you have to be so careful of what you allow into your brain, what you allow to move you, because music is powerful. It, uh, it, it moves you, it's anointed. You were anointed as guardian cherub for so I ordained you. This is God talking. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created to the wickedness was found in you. All that pride we talked about in Isaiah chapter 14, it's found in you. And through your widespread trade, you exchanged my worship for your pride. You were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God like kicked you out of heaven. I expelled you, you guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. It continues, your heart became proud on account of your beauty and, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and I made a spectacle of you before, before the kings. I could no longer have you in heaven. All the pride was in you. you you've, what I meant for wonderful things to bring glory and honor to my name, you took it for yourself. And Jesus actually talks about this. In Luke chapter four, one of the gospels, the disciples are come to him and they're like, can you believe this? We're using your name, Jesus. And demons are trembling. Demons are fleeing. And Jesus says back, well, of course. My name is above every other name. And let me just tell you, in Luke chapter 10, sorry, he replied to the disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Like God had enough, boom, done. These two hour movies of good versus bad, no. In God's movie, it was a millisecond. Like, you done. And Jesus was there. He saw Satan fall, saw Lucifer fall from heaven. And so now we have an unemployed cherub who was in charge of worship because God still wants worship to happen. 
He wants prayer, he wants the word, he wants worship, but unfortunately, Lucifer's gone. So here's the question, well then who is the new worship leader? If he's no longer there, who is the new worship leader? And you're so smart, you're already answering it, because you, because you are the new worship leader. I am the new worship leader, and this is so cool. I told you I was coming back to it. Say, well, what do you mean? Like, everything that God, how he created Lucifer, you need to know that he put that inside of you too. The stringed instruments, you have them. We, we have these things right here called the vocal cords. They are strings, and they go back and forth. They vibrate to make noise. And when we have wind, these wind instruments in our lungs, when it goes through the vocal cords, guess what we're able to do? We're able to shout, we're able to sing, we're able to hum, we're able to whistle. So well, what about the percussion instruments? You have these, don't you? Like, woo, stomp of my feet. Everything, that, how God created Lucifer, the archangel, to lead in worship, you have it too. It's just an incredible thing that we are now the new worship leader. The, the goal of man is to love God and to worship him forever. And we are the new worship leader. So with that being said, there are three truths that I think will rock your world today. And you need to know them because you're the new worship leader. So you need to know this about our God. The first thing is this, right? Write this in your notes. That God made me from him. You need to know that. That God made me from him. In the creation account in Genesis chapter one, there's, there's two things that are going on. There's creation and there's also things that are being made. Very similar, but very different. When God said, let there be light, the, the earth was just dark and formless, he created light out of nothing. You need to know that. But there's also in the creation story, just God's making things. For instance, if I was to give you some clay and say, you know, make a vase, and you were to put it all together, you didn't create the vase, you simply just made the vase from the clay that was given to you. So I wanna show you these things that happen in the creation story of how God, God made us from him. Here's the first thing, Genesis 1:11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land. He didn't say, um, I, let's create trees. No, he looked at the earth and said, now go make trees from the earth. Where are you going with this? What does this have to do? When you make something, God always intended that they would be in relationship. So trees are from the earth. They're sustained by the earth, the dirt. And when they eventually die, they go back to being the earth. God wants things to be made from things so there's close relationship. Made, sustained, and eventually become back to the earth. When God made woman, he didn't create woman. He made woman from the rib, from the side of Adam. Why? Relationship. So they could be close. Okay, so here's how God made us. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Meaning, let's make man from from us, from us. So we are like 
from God, sustained by God, and eventually we will go back to God. And some of you are like, no, 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 we were made from the dust of the earth. Get your Bible right, Pastor Jared. No, you're right. Your body is made from the dust. Like it's from the, from the ground. We're sustained by the ground. We, we all feed off of things on the earth. And eventually our body, when we die, will become dust again, but not your spirit. Your spirit is from God. It's sustained by God. And eventually we will go back to God. You need to know that because here's number two. So God created us from him. This, this is so good. Number, number two, God made me to be with him. God made me to be with him. Here's what I think happens. We, we, we sometimes think of church and even our Bibles or even sometimes our spiritual journey as just like these religious things that we have to do. Well, I know it's the right thing to do, so I'll show up or I'll turn it on. I know it's important for my, my kids to see this. So I'll, yeah, I'll check off all the boxes. And I want you to know that was never God's plan. God's plan was never to create religious services or religious things for you to do. That was never what he intended. What he intended is for you and me to be in relationship with him. God made us so we can be with him. And you need to know, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, some of you, all of your hope is in religion. And it sounds a lot like what's gonna happen at the end when all this comes to an end and we stand before Jesus and we say, I said, Lord, Lord, I proclaimed it with my mouth. And he will look at us and he will say, I never knew you. I never like, had a relationship with you. Yeah, you have all the right answers. You know your Bible, way to go. But I've never had a relationship with you. That's what he wants. You cannot bank on your religion today. We bank on our relationship that we have with Jesus. It's an incredible thing. And if all the examples that could be used about God's love for us, that he wants us to be with him, Paul in Ephesians chapter five gives us a crazy example. Ephesians chapter five, if you are familiar with that, it's all about how to have a good marriage. Like what's the blueprint for a successful marriage? And it gives roles for the husband and then roles for the wife. But when Paul finishes that dissertation, he says this at the end in verse 31 and 32, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss your bride and woo, yay, let's have the reception and let's get to the honeymoon, right? That's kind of what's happening. And yeah, husband and wife, they, they look forward to, to that moment. And Paul says, well, this is a profound mystery. I am talking about, not a husband and wife. What I'm talking about is Christ and the church. That just like a husband and wife long to be together, you have to know that Christ longs to be with the church, the bride of Christ. That's us. He wants intimacy. He wants a deep relationship with us. Not religion, not lip service. He wants a deep relationship with us. And when all of this ends, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, and we're in, in the presence, or in heaven, in the presence of God, and Jesus walks down the aisle, and we're wed together, the bride of Christ, 
Revelation tells us is that we're going to have a party. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. When the church and Jesus are reunited. And check out what happens in Revelation 21, 9 through 10. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me this holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And the foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of what? Remember? Remember? Every kind of precious stone. Oh, this is so cool. How God created Lucifer with all of the jewels, with all of the precious stones, what Lucifer couldn't be trusted with, that used for his own glory to elevate himself. Oh, this is so good. Jesus actually adorns us, gives us, the true worshipers, gives us those same stones. Why? Because he's over the top. He's over the top in love with us. It's like when you're dating somebody and you surprise them with that special like ring, you know, like ba-bam, or that special piece of jewelry. Like, woo, check this out. Like, you know what I'm talking about? It's a good day if you do that. That's kind of the idea. He loves us so much. He wants to surprise us. He wants to give us things that we don't deserve. These precious stones. Go back. Remember the story. The first foundation. He just lists them all. The same stones. The same jewels. How God in heaven created the archangel Lucifer. He's now giving to the true worshipers when we get to heaven. Oh, it's an incredible thought. And the reason why is because he loves us. Because he wants us to be with him. So we're made from him to be with him. The question is, well, what does he want in return? Like, what, what, what does he need? Write this in your notes. Well, God made me to express our love to him. From him to be with him to what? To express love to him. That's all he wants. It's so simple, it's so beautiful. Jesus in John chapter four gives us kind of a window of this is actually what he wants. This is the kind of worship that he desires. Because yet a time is coming and actually now has come when the true worshipers will worship. I've highlighted this because we're gonna come back to it. So much to unpack in this simple word. To worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So what does this word worship mean? Now, when we translated this, or not we, I wasn't there, but when the scholars translated from Greek to English, there really wasn't one word for this word. Go to the next slide. It's proskuneo. You didn't know you were coming to Greek class today, but proskuneo, meaning there was several words to describe this one word. And so let's just use Worship And worship's fine, but there's so much more meaning to this word proskuneo. And you're not going to believe it. It's going to blow you away. This is what God wants. Like, don't get mad at me for this definition. This is God's word. This is what he wants. Proskuneo, it's a verb. It's an action, not a thought. Like, this is an action saying, this is what I want. And some of you are going to look at this word and be like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's not my personality. Yeah, I know. 
but it's what God wants. This is what he wants. Like true worshipers, he wants that this is the meaning is to kiss. Isn't that incredible? And you're thinking, oh, Jared, that's weird. He wants us to, to kiss. And this is why the translators had such a hard time because it's not the kiss of lovers. That's not what it's saying. The, the best way to explain this, for you to understand, it, what this means is like when a dog kisses the hand of its master, licks the hand of the person the dog loves the most. Now, when Amanda and I first got married, our, our first major argument 12 years ago, and I know it's hard to believe that your pastor and his wife argue, but we argue with the best of them, let me tell you. But our first major argument was the idea about, hey, should we, should we buy a dog? And I was pretty adamant, like, nah, let's wait, let's save some more money. I'm a poor, you know, college pastor and just trying to make it work. And she's like, no, I really want a dog. And I want this certain kind of dog because this is the kind of dog that I had growing up. And then I find out how much these stinking dogs cost and it was gonna break the bank. But she wore me down, you know what I'm talking about? And she, and eventually we found a breeder in Michigan and we went and we spent the money and we brought the dog home. And I'll be honest with you, I love that dog. The problem was that dog just didn't love me. Or I would say it this way, the dog didn't love me as much as he loved Amanda. I would come home, I just lived you know, a couple miles away from my office. I'd come home at lunch break to let the dog out and he'd be excited to see me. You know, we'd play, but I'd be home and the garage door would open and Rudy, that was the dog's name, he knew, okay, Amanda's here. And he would go nuts. I mean, he would run around the house and he would jump on everything and, and hear the garage door go down and he would just stand by the door. Just, <laughs> Man, mommy's home, mommy's home. He'd just stand there, so excited, so excited, so excited. She'd walk in from teaching. She'd have her bags, whatever the case is. She'd put them down and Rudy would just take another lap around the house and eventually would just jump up on Amanda. <laughs> and just lick her all over the place. And, this is the picture, this is the idea. This is what God is looking for. Worshipers who will sit at the door and will express their full love and devotion and attention. And oh my goodness, I get to do this. Oh my goodness, I, I'm so thankful that you're here. Thank you for all that you do for me. You're the best dad. I, oh, I love you so much. That's the kind of worship that God wants in return. And some of us, we've never expressed our worship because, well, that's weird. That's just strange. I would never do, I'm, I would never do that. This is the worship that God longs for, for his sons and for his daughters to express with everything that we have, with full abandon, not caring what anybody else thinks, all of our worship, our devotion, and our adoration to Him and to Him alone because He is worthy of it. Oh church, we are the new worship leaders. That's not an angel's job. That's not somebody else's job. Our job right here, right now, is to worship Him with everything that we have. 
I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. Right where you are. And some of you, you've, you've never given God all of you. You're holding back from Him. You're afraid of what other people will think. You've never expressed your full love, full devotion, full adoration to the Most High. And I wanna challenge you. Like, what would it look like for you to do that? I mean, what would it look like when we regather as a church in a few short weeks and all of us show Him the honor and the praise that He deserves? God is looking for people who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. So today, God, we hold nothing back from you. And we're sorry. We're sorry for sometimes making worship about us, even our comfort. And you have given us everything to worship you fully. And so today, God, we put you in your proper place, number one. Nothing else above you. And we commit as people and we commit as a body of believers that we are going to worship you unashamedly and unapologetically. Thank you for what you're doing. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, some of you today, you would be honest with me and you would say, Pastor Jared, like, I am so far from God. I have never made a commitment to follow him. And listen, there's no guilt, there's no shame. But you, you sense the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and you know you need to give your life to the Lord. So right where you are, if that's you, you know you need to make this commitment. Just, just say this prayer right after me. Just meet it in your heart. This prayer doesn't save you. It's, it's the belief behind the prayer. This is a launch pad. Just say this right where you are. Just say, today, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for keeping you at a distance. And just say, today, God, as simply as I know how, I give my life to you. I give you complete control of my life. And say, I hold nothing back. Make the declaration, say today, I, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you don't treat me as I, my sins deserve, but you give me a hope and you give me a future. And say today, I live for you. Now Holy Spirit, I thank you for every person praying that prayer. Some, they're praying that prayer for the very first time. Others, it's a recommitment prayer. And Lord, thank you for saving people. Now I do pray that the people of Jesus, that we will actually apply the words of Jesus and we will be full worshipers of the Most High. Thanks for what you've done in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me, maybe that's the first time you've ever prayed a commitment prayer to follow Jesus. Uh, do me a favor, take out that connection card that we talked a lot about today and. Uh, just check the box. Say, today I'm giving my life to Christ. Or maybe it's a recommitment prayer. Hey, wherever you are on the journey, we want to pray for you. We're excited for you. And it's the best decision you'll ever make. And we're going to send you some emails giving you some really clear next steps with your faith in Jesus. And way to go. We're so proud of you. And church, we're going to continue to worship the Lord through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. Aren't you grateful and excited to do that? Yeah, we serve a give first God. So we are going to be a give first people. And thank you for your amazing generosity 
during this time, we're able to help and assist and bless our city and members of our church like never before. Way to go, keep it up. Um, online, through the app, maybe you're still sending it in. And thank you for your amazing generosity. And as we prepare over the next couple of weeks to regather as a church, I'm gonna be giving you a date this week of when we're gonna open our doors um, to, for, for public worship again. Um, just, just stay, you know, Check your emails, watch our Facebook, our Instagram, and we'll be giving you that information this week. And I just wanna say again, I'm so proud of our team and all of our staff and our elders. Um, and talking to medical professionals, uh, man, we, we feel ready um, and safe um, to open our doors once again for worship. And we're excited about that in the near future. Okay, before we send you off, let me pray a blessing over you. God, uh, God thank you again for these amazing people our members, our attenders, even the guests that are tuning in today, God, thank you for these amazing people who love you and we desire, we desire to worship you. Now I pray that we will have the best Sunday afternoon. We'll have the best week that we've ever had. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey church, I love you. Keep signing in. We'll see you next weekend. God bless you.